Welcome into a new episode of the Locked On Knicks podcast, the OG duo, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf here with you. And Alex, it's the mailbag that will never, ever end. Um, by the time this show is released, uh, you will be on vacation and people will still be hearing our dulcet tones answering their questions. Yeah, this is the fourth part of our mailbag episode, which thank you guys once again for coming through clutch for us and giving us some content this week. Uh, it's not often that we do a four parter for the mailbag, but we pulled it off this time and uh, we got all kinds of fun questions today. Like what are the players carrying in their Brown bags that we keep seeing in the photos uh, from Nick's social media? Uh, a couple of, a couple of comparisons to uh, old players to the current day and stuff like that, uh, that we're going to get into an interesting hypothetical and then uh probably one of our longest mailbag questions ever but one that uh has a really detailed scenario to go over so we got all that coming up next on locked on Knicks. you are locked on Knicks, your daily new york Knicks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All right, Alex, with that, let's get into it. It's about 1 in the morning East Coast time. You're heading out on vacation tomorrow, so we decide to knock all these out in one day. It is probably about the third hour of recording that we've done today, and I'm, I'm ready to roll. We got, we got a few more questions to do. And, and this, is, this has just been an all-time great mailbag, and we're going to finish it off on a high note. First one comes from Christopher Adam Rod at Clee. C-L-E-E-1028 on Twitter if you want to throw him a follow. And he wants to know, what would be the name of each player's reality TV show or choose the top five? Uh, Alex, I will will send that over to you, though I will say with the qualifier that I'm a huge fan of reality TV, so I was I was excited to get into this one. Well, why don't you lead it off then? Because I'm like trying to do these off the dome, so I'm probably just going to interrupt when I think of them. Yeah, all right. Okay, I'm. I, I to be clear, I I did not prep for this at all. So this is this is also improv. Um, Bobby Portis's reality TV show. Hmm. I think it's almost easier. Like instead of saying like the title to give like a description of what it would be. I okay. Think what I'll, about? All right. I just thought of one already. Oh, Sorry. Okay. I'm just gonna yeah, keep sure. when these come to my head. I'm just gonna say them. Go ahead. Uh, right, I, I want train of thought. Uh, Knox, Knox, Knoxon on Heaven's Door, where Kevin Knox is a uh, like a, a TV preacher and <laughs> tries to deliver people to salvation uh, in his mega mega church in uh, I don't know, we'll say Kentucky because like he went to college there. I think he's actually from Florida though, which yeah. actually that makes more sense. So it'd be in Florida. Yeah, Knox, Knox, Knoxon on Heaven's Door. All right, I love that. All right, my my pitch for Bobby Portis, and I'll, I'll come up with a title after is um, he just intensely stares at objects and tries to move them or break them with his mind. 
and it's like maybe maybe it's just the mentalist as a reality tv okay, show i've got i've got the name for that i've got you make the concept i'll make the name i think okay, this is that's, gonna that's work a good combo. that's a good combo <laughs> all right uh portis to another world oh wow that's really right good. pretty you, good you, you have a real talent for this alex if podcasting doesn't work out <laughs> yeah that's yeah good. glad to know i can work for bravo or something someday all right um, let's julius see. randall's yeah I, I got this one it's titled bull in a china shop and it's literally it's julius randall just seeing how many like objects he can break in, in like a fine like um a, upholstery store or like an antique shop and antique shop is what i'm going for basically um in, in like in under a minute and he just has to like but he has to be holding a basketball the whole time and he can only do spin moves okay yeah i'm into that that's pretty cool uh i feel like I feel like Randall would just always win, though. Like, who is he competing against? Who's even going to yeah. be able to beat him? Maybe, maybe we get like an actual bull in there, and he has to compete against the bull. Okay, that could be cool. That could be cool. Yeah, like put him out or do it like that old Animal Face Off show. Yeah, but, like actually bring the animals in rather than just doing computer simulations and like see if like a Siberian tiger can break more shit than Julius Randall. It's sort of like Shaq versus, but there's just different. And like maybe occasionally you could bring in like other like ball dominant lumbering big men like like Andrew Bogut could be on for an episode where he like, like, and you, you have like an Australian version where he's in the outback and he has to like out like a kangaroo. who's like kicking all the stuff down. I don't know. There could, there could be some spinoffs on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think this would be pretty fun. Um, let's see who, who else would have an interest for, for Mitch. It's gotta be something with like block nest monster probably. What would he I be blocking? Like, uh, I think like Mitch would be like a great judge on like, drag queen like i just think he has like some very like sassy comments that he wants to make at all times and i think i think that would be like a pretty good like that or like one of the like the bachelor will do episodes where they have uh fashion walks mm-hmm. and i think he would he would be excellent at like analyzing that like i i just want to see him on a lot of i almost don't want to pin him down i want to see him on a lot of different properties i mean the, the reality with mitch too is he actually kind of already has his own little reality show and it's fantastic uh mitch's block party uh that the knicks put out like via social media and stuff which is already pretty damn good so might just cop out and say i think he's already got his perfect fit he actually literally is already in sort of a reality talk show (laughs) um frank frank i kind of want him on and like to be clear, like I might, I might be misunderstanding the premise of the show because I've only seen the uh, Big Mouth parody of it. But I, I'd like Frank on Queer Eye. Like I like the idea of Frank like taking someone like me who just has no sense of fashion or grace and like pulling me up to like a greater like echelon of society and like teaching me how to dress and like changing my hair and just making me like a more appealing human being. Maybe Frank's show could be called To Be Frank. Oh, that's because- good. That's good. Because then, like, his his line, right, his line in every single episode would be, like, he gets some poorly dressed dude that comes up to him, and then, like, the guy has to, like, defend his outfit or whatever to Frank, and then Frank just starts it off with, to be Frank, (laughs) you know, your outfit sucks. It would really really work, I think. Yeah, Yeah. I think there's potential there. Um, All right, I feel like like I'm running out of steam here. Yeah, I I think that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I wish I could think of one off the top of my head for RJ, but I just can't. I, uh, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> row, row, row in your boat. Where? 
<laughs> it took me a second to get that. Where RJ, uh, whose real name is Rowan, by the way, he's Rowan Barrett Jr., which is where RJ comes from, uh, where RJ competes in a rowing competition with <laughs> various other athletes that aren't rowers. I don't know. I, that sounds like fun to me. Cool. Done. I think we did it. All right. <laughs> Next question. Uh, this one also comes from Christopher Adamrod, who I will say uh, he actually scaled it back for this one. Uh, we once did a whole mailbag episode that was just questions from Christopher Adamrod. So uh, shouts to you, though, for always giving us multiple questions, man. Uh, what gift is each player carrying in their brown bag to give to Tibbs? Uh, so we, the reason this comes up is that it's been like there's been a various sightings of brown bags at Nick's practice. I think it's only two times. It was Frank had one he was carrying with him at one point, and then I think there was one sitting on the bench, like, in between two guys. It might have been between Frank and RJ or something in another picture. Uh, and then there's been Photoshops now where there's uh, bags placed elsewhere and whatever. Uh, but all right, so what are they giving to Tibbs as a gift? Um You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Alex, as we're recording this, it is 1.35 in the morning. I would I'd kill for like some vegan stir fry. And uh, there's, a little, there's a little restaurant in the West Village called Red Bamboo. They have about 50 things on their menu completely vegan it, it is my it is my dream right now i'm I, I would i would kill for some red bamboo they have this spicy peanut chicken dish that is just delectable um it, it would be expensive i'm not gonna lie but i'm considering doing it with doordash and, and the good news is with doordash it would be a little bit less expensive because they have a promo code i'm going to tell you guys about in just a second but first i wanted to remind you that ordering is super easy all you have to do is open the doordash app Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. I love that. I'm a massive hypochondriac. I'm one of the people who wears a face shield in public. That would be so, so cool to just know that the food is dropped right outside my door, and I can go and grab it and leave a nice tip on the app. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKDOWNNBA. I told you guys I would tell you about a way to get money off. That's $5 off. And zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMBA. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONMBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I mean, are we assuming that this is a gift to Tibbs or is this a gift from Tibbs? I don't know what to think here. Like, why would the Knicks players be giving Tibbs a gift? I feel like he would be giving them, like, little... Either him or, like, this seems, for whatever reason, like a Kenny Payne type thing to me. It would be, like, just giving them, like, a bag and being, like, open this in a month. You'll understand what it means or something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> and they look in and it's just something completely profound that, like, completely changes how they view things. Or it's just, like, like, some deadly animal that they have to survive. 
<laughs> or it's just like, I, maybe it's depending on the player, right? Like maybe they would do that for Knox to be like, we got to motivate him. And it's like, they yeah. put like a, a rattlesnake in there that, <laughs> you know, is like on its last, uh, on its last legs after sitting in a bag for, you know, three weeks or whatever. And like is hungry. Uh, but like for Frank or, or like RJ maybe who are like teacher's pets, it would just be like a note that says like, thanks for being you and being awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like I smile today <laughs> I, like the inverse i could see like rj or like i could i could see like frank like actually like getting kids like an apple every day <laughs> and just yeah. being like right like <laughs> or maybe for frank it would be like fresh break croissants like from yeah, his favorite yeah that he french just comes in like an York. apron and he's like i was i was up all night proofing these but they're, they're finally ready <laughs> i made these um, myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> just by hand um, and he's like, he's like, Mitch helped. And then Mitch is like, no, I didn't, but thanks. Um, I, yeah, just, just the whole like concept reminds me, I know, I know you're not a Game of Thrones person, which, which still amazes me. Um, but like the concept of like when, when King Joffrey like took over, like everyone would come and just give him these like increasingly insane gifts and he just had no time for any of them. And like, um, famously Tyrion Lannister gives him this great book of knowledge and then he takes his new sword and just like clubs it in half. Um, so that's what I imagine, like, these guys, like, giving Tibbs, like, like welcome gifts and him just, like, destroying them because they have no basketball utility. I know that's not really answering the question, but that that's just what I imagine is happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what some of the other items might be. Like, if Dotson was going to give something to Tibbs, it would probably be, like, a new contract to get him to slyly sign. <laughs> like, here, sign this for me. Like, well, what's that? Oh, it's a three-year, $30 million contract. No big deal. Um, Mitch, Mitch would give him something funny if Mitch was going to give Tibbs a gift. It would yeah, be like, like Mitch getting him like a stink bomb or something. Yeah, Mitch would be like, Mitch would do something that would get him in the doghouse for a week, but then Tibbs would watch him play and be like, okay, you're fine. Yeah. Um, maybe like a, like a <laughs> get him a, he like get a, him a, a bag of ice uh, <laughs> that's already half empty. Like, like, I do like ice. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, um, yeah, that's good. Or, or like a Mad Libs book, but he couldn't resist filling out like 90% of it. Yeah, that's true. And he wrote all these like funny but slightly insulting things about Tibbs in it. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's a good note to end. I on. have the craziest coach. Yeah. <laughs> I have the craziest coach who smells funny. <laughs> Mitch is just cracking up. He's like, did you read page four? Yeah. It's like, get this guy out of here. Oh, my God. All right, moving right along. I think we've we've <laughs> guessed enough about the brown bags. Uh, this question is from FC at Fraser D. Coleman. Uh, Fraser writes, In an alternate universe, the Knicks signed Kemba, Mook, and Butler, but not Randall last summer. Would this squad make it past the first round, the second? Would you rather have this squad with Mills Perry Fizz or the current one with Rose West Perry Tibbs? Man, yeah, is, yeah, that's this is pretty easy for me. I, I don't really, I like, I, I get have again nominally that like, I guess like you're looking at a starting lineup of Kemba, RJ, Mook, Butler, or Butler, Mook, and uh, Mitch, which is fun. Like that's a good lineup. Like there's enough shooting there defensively. Like that's like two through two through five. Like killer switching. I think that team. I don't know. I, I it depends. Like if they ended up. In like a four-five matchup, like they could have beaten. Um, they could have beaten. No, because Miami was the five seed. 
Yeah, so I don't, I don't think... Yeah, but think Miami without Butler, what are they doing? Butler, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I think that team like gets the second round and loses like maybe in like five games, but I don't know. I just don't think... I don't... I don't really know how you like... I wouldn't love the idea of building around those teams. Like every... Obviously, like everything... Or those guys, rather. Um, everything like Butler's doing right now is is great. I still don't know. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be like a flat out negative. Like, I just think he's too much of a gamer to be like bad. But I don't. I don't think his contract is going to have like great, great value going forward. And Kemba like worried me a little bit with how he looked, like with like all the knee stuff. And then even once he recovered in the playoffs, he was pretty hit or miss. Like, I I just don't know if he if he changes the game for you. Like, I I just think that team has a very cap ceiling and, and i'll say definitively to the to the point of this question um any scenario where we still have mills perry and fizz and like their jobs are justified being kept like i just don't think you have any future with that front office coaching combo i'd rather have a, a a much more bereft roster with a front office that i can trust and that that was sort of the whole point that i was kind of getting to in the jb podcast like the only sustainable thing you have in the NBA at the end of the day is like, is a real, I mean, a great coach and a really, and more importantly, a really, really sharp front office. And you want to look at like the one common denominator of long-term success. It's having an upper echelon front office. Um, I don't know if what the Knicks currently have is that what I do know is what they previously had is not that. So I, I think I'd prioritize front office over roster. Yeah. I think they'd also at least make it to the second round, but Unlike Miami, that's coached super well with Butler uh, and gets the most out of every single player, they would be coached by Fisdale, who gets the most out of nobody and sucks. Um, so I actually, I think, so it breaks the hypothetical, right? Like, because this whole thing is meant to be like this, you know, really tough choice of like, do I want the kind of fun team with the bad front office and coach or do I want the you know, the uh, the current state of affairs where you're still rebuilding, but you have what looks like a promising front office and promising coach, hopefully. And I but to twist this question a little bit, I still think even with those guys, the Knicks would have started off really slow as they did this year. And like if you thought it was bad this year when they started four and 18 and Fizz got canned after 22 games, imagine like if they had started like two and eight or something with, you know, with Kemba and Butler and all them signed, like freshly signed, there's no way Fizdale would have made it past 10 games. Like he would have been shit canned immediately. And they would have, I guess, still gone with Miller. But I mean, that might've been the rare instance where they would have searched for a coach in season um, to try to find someone better. Granted, I don't know who that would be Um, for a team like that. And with, Dolan presumably being willing to open up the checkbook. I mean, maybe you would have a situation where you could lure like Jeff Van Gundy away from the announcing booth, like mid season (laughs) Um, with the promise of millions upon millions of dollars to try to whip this team into shape real quick and turn them into a good playoff team by the end of the season. But I feel like Fisdale wouldn't have made it very far. uh, At least not if the results were anything like what they were, uh, when he was coaching the Knicks this year. Um, and then I, I guess I think that would probably mean that still Mills and Perry would make it. But like if Mills and Perry were able to put that roster together, like I feel like I would have had a lot less reservations about them because I think that would legitimately be a really good team. 
um, that would fit pretty well together and have some, you know, strengths that overlap and uh, be good enough to, I would say, at least make the second round, if not further this year. And then, you know, with development from Mitch, RJ, Frank, you know, you figure they could even go further um, going forward. So I, I, I'd probably sign up for that just based off of what we've seen out of the Butler heat. And obviously Kemba was on the Celtics. I wouldn't really call it the Kemba Celtics, but he was just on a team that was in the Eastern conference finals. Butler is in the NBA finals now. Um, I I think that's something that I would sign up for, even if it meant still having Mills and Perry here, because like the very presence of those players to me means that Mills and Perry did their job. So that works for me, I think. Um, but unless you had anything else to add to that, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll move on to the next one from Fraser, which is uh, these are quick hitters, but it's we can we can take a sec on them. Uh, first one, LeBron James is Anthony Mason with a three point shot. Agree. Uh, I don't know if I quite go that far. I mean, we literally just cast Anthony Mason in the last episode, um, and I, I I think that. Mason is more like Draymond Green, which isn't an insult by any stretch. Um, maybe a slightly better shooting Draymond Green or kind of like a bulkier Pascal Siakam. So I wouldn't quite say LeBron. I don't think uh, – I know that this, the question was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but I'm just choosing to analyze it somewhat realistically, and I just don't think it's quite there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have nothing to add to that. Um uh, next one is Ewing is a better fit in the modern NBA than Akeem. Agree. Uh, this one is like a pretty like you could you could do a full podcast on it. I'd be interested to to have on like a writer who covered both of them in the 90s and, and, and hear their take on it. Nominally, I, I'll say this much. I think Ewing's game translates better than Hakeem. But I also think Hakeem was a significantly better player than Ewing. So I, I don't know which one is actually better in the modern NBA. Like, I think Ewing in 1989, like him, like pure athlete, rim runner, um, like kick-ass rim protector, like, and the fact that he had a bit of a shot is really good. But young Hakeem also had some of those qualities, and Hakeem was just a more dominant post scorer and, and was just better defensively. And, and I mean, you could, you could kind of see it on that Starks block. Like, I think he had the Mitchell Robinson thing, which it's weird to, like, talk about Akeem and the pitch be like, oh, he's kind of like Mitchell Robinson when he's one of the 12 greatest players of all time. But I think he had the Mitchell Robinson thing where he could he could hang on the perimeter a little bit, then protect the rim. Offensively, it'd be interesting because I, I think sort of the point of what he's saying is that Ewing would be a little bit better in the pick and roll and like as a jump shooter than Akeem would. While Hakeem was obviously like, like his whole premise was that he was like the greatest post scorer along with like Kevin McHale ever. Um, or like post operator along with Kevin McHale ever and like with the modern zone rules or Kareem I think I would put Kareem yeah yeah right yeah yeah Kareem Kareem's in that mix for sure um with the with the skyhook um but but the premise is like with the modern zone rules you could throw like 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 sort of like shading doubles at him which you couldn't really do back then and he was allowed to go one-on-one a lot more but I think Hakeem was so skilled so smart and like he had a couple of seasons where I think he averaged around four assists per game um, like smart enough, nimble enough, where like I think he would get around that just fine. Like I, I think Hakeem would be perfectly dominant in the modern NBA. So I, my answer is somewhere in the middle. I think Ewing translates better than Hakeem does. Despite that, I think Hakeem would still be the better player. Yeah, I think there's like a case to be made that 
Ewing would plug and play better, but Hakeem could realistically just like redefine the big man in the modern day, you know, and bring like post play back to a degree. Because I mean, yeah, like his Ewing was great and everything, but like, dude, Hakeem's like you look at his numbers; it's it's ridiculous, man. Like his defensive prowess is unreal. I, he had. His best year, he had 6.7 stocks per game, steals plus blocks. <laughs> I mean, that's four, 4.6 blocks and 2.1 steals per game. That's, like, obscene. And, he, and that wasn't even that out of the ordinary for him. Like, he typically was averaging over five stocks per game in his prime, which is just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, not something that you see every day. And, uh, you know, on top of that being, as you said, Gavin, like, probably the most, if not, like, one of the most dominant post scorers of all time in his own special way. I mean, I've always kind of trended towards, like, Shaq just by the sheer way that he was able to overpower anyone that came near him. And that's why he was able to, like, shoot such a high percentage and all that. But he also was useless at the free throw line, which Hakeem wasn't. Um and then, like, Kareem had the sky hook and, you know, all that. Every guy kind of, you know, of all the big guys that were really great on offense, they all sort of have their own thing. And Pats was, like, just sort of a well-rounded game with that really wet mid-range jumper and a good post game on the inside, plus, you know, earlier on in his career, the the athleticism as well. Um, so, like, short answer, the TLDR version. Like, I think Patrick Ewing, if you inserted him into – a 2020 lineup right now in his like physical prime would have a slightly easier time adjusting right away uh, and becoming, you know, a a more quote unquote modern NBA player. But I think if you got the right team around him, you could have Hakeem still be just as dominant today because of how crazy, crazy good he was on defense. Um, And then, you know, just find a way to basically bring post play back with someone who's that dominant on the inside um and structure your offense around him and have him sort of pass out uh of the inside and all that to your point he was sort of uh i I won't say pre-jokic jokic but he was like you know he averaged for a solid five six seasons in a row uh three or more assists getting up towards four in some seasons so he definitely had that in him uh all right i'm gonna get into our final question here gavin this is I think our longest question ever. Uh, this comes from Jack Adamski. Uh, it's jadamski96 on Twitter. He sent it via DM, which, like, by the way, you know, PSA, if you guys ever want to send us a question that's a little longer, feel free to DM us. The DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, we should also probably, like, advertise better, but we have a voicemail bag, too, that I totally I enjoyed doing those when we... Uh, when we did them, maybe we should specifically do a voicemail bag episode one day soon, but uh, you guys can always check our account for that too. At any rate. Um, so Jack says mailbag question. The Knicks don't have many players internally that will see big paydays anytime soon. Aside from Mitch, which he says 2022, that's actually not the case. Um, Cause he'll probably need to get paid next summer in 2021. Even still, uh, he says, with RJ on a rookie deal until 24 and this year's pick uh, until 2025, 
should the Knicks explore a trade centered around Wiggins plus two for Randall plus eight? If so, what would a deal like this look like? And he's, he gives a thought process for each team here. So the thought process for the Knicks is utilize cap space to take a bad contract and move up if they really like a player at the top. Wiggins' contract ends before any new RJ deal would need to be put together. Uh, and then for Golden State, he says Golden State has a lot of money tied up in the big three for the foreseeable future of uh, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Randall's contract swap with Wiggins offers more cap flexibility uh, each of the next three years for a team that's set up to win now, as well as keeping a lottery pick to add a young role player. And uh, so, and then he outlines what it does for them as far as clearing Wiggins' deal, which gives them 11 million more in space this year, um, 27 million more next year if they waive Randall, 12 million more if they don't. And then 33 million more in 2020, yeah, 2022 to 23, which is basically just Wiggins's salary for that year, which is still obscenely bad. Just a reminder, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. If you have not heard about rockauto.com by now, let me tell you about it again. You know, I, I think I've mentioned a number of times, and if, you know, I haven't, then apologies that I like to work on my car a little bit at home, but the least favorite thing to me about working on my car is part shopping because I look, I'm not a mechanic. I get all my information off YouTube and Google, you know, I'm not uh, able to go in there and, and like speak car, so to speak in one of these auto parts stores. And like you go in there, it's a tiny store. They never have the part that you need because like, I, I don't blame them. You know, it's it's a small store and like there's a million different brands of cars and all that stuff. But then when they do order the part for you, it ends up taking like a week to come in. And it's you look at the bill and you're like, that cost how much? Like I should have just gone to the mechanic. It would have been cheaper or at least cost the same. And I wouldn't have had to do this, which like the whole point is saving money. And it just kind of feels like a pointless experience. And that's where rockauto.com comes in. You know, rockauto.com, it's a real easy to use website they have this uh, fantastic and simple menu system where you click on the make of your car then the year the model and the trim package and then you're greeted with a list you can go through on your own time you can compare specs and prices on different parts for example i went to replace the uh the hitch receiver on the back of my car i i was a dummy and rusted a uh, a ball hitch in there and so I went to, you know, go pick my new one, and I was able to pick between different hitch receiver sizes, different uh, weight capacities, all this stuff, all spelled out in plain English for me with, uh, you know, the prices next to them as well. So I could see, like, okay, do I really need, you know, 5,000 pounds of towing capacity on my Subaru Forester? Probably not. I think I could probably get away with, you know, even 1,000 pounds, considering I'm mostly going to use this for bicycles on the back of my car. And so I picked the right option for me, and uh, it came in the mail, and it was super easy to install, which that part I did on my own. But, uh, yeah, it was a really fantastic experience. So if you want to check out rockauto.com as well, head there and see all the parts available for your car truck. See if you can find the right one for your job, which I can guarantee you you will, and it will be the best price that you can find anywhere. And if you decide to pick up a part, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
I, I'll take this one first, I guess. I don't I don't know that I would do that because I think that keeping if this was like another year, like let's say this was last year or something, and that was on the table and the Knicks were at pick eight, which you know then I forget who exactly went pick eight last year, but I, I know the range. It was like the general like uh Cam Reddish range. So if the question was like, okay, like you can either have Cam Reddish and more cap space sooner with Julius Randle, or you can have Ja Morant and Andrew Wiggins with your cap space tied up for a number of years, I would be like, oh, hell yeah, let's do Ja Morant. Like, because Ja Morant, it seems like a pretty clear cut number two pick in this draft. Like, let's do it. And that probably would have been looked at as a really great move by the Knicks if that was on the table last year, um, which it wasn't. Obviously, well, and because the Knicks were picking three last year anyway. But like this year, it's like, okay, give up, you know, a potentially really good role player with a high floor like Vassell or Okoro, something like that, uh, or trade up and tie up your cap and get a player like, we'll just assume this would be for LaMelo, who you know is a really good passer, but there's a lot of question marks about his shooting and, and you know, his defense and his shooting again because uh, his, his shooting form is kind of a mess and he's, he doesn't seem too willing to work on it. Um, like, yes, you're talking about someone who's, who's an extremely high-level passer, uh, really great ball handler, like is going to be immediately one of the better passers in the NBA, but there's like, there, there's just not a concrete case to be made that he's going to be like that bona fide surefire star type of number two pick um i just don't know that i would do it uh you know i i think i value that cap space too much to just say like sure we'll take wiggins and granted he becomes more movable with each year that passes off that deal but i i don't necessarily know that i agree with jack's uh assessment here gavin that the knicks can afford like or not that they can afford to obviously they can afford to if they choose to but that they should just be looking at it as like oh well, let's just tie our cap space up because we don't need it till at least 2022 when we're paying rj like ideally you want to pay someone else before you have to pay rj uh because that takes advantage of the fact that he's on a rookie contract so i I don't know if I really agree with the whole premise of the deal, though I get where he's coming from. Um, but that's yeah. just me. I think I. This is this sounds weird to say because I've never I've, I've never really been a big Andrew Wiggins fan, but I actually I think he would. I mean, and the other issue is him under Tibbs is is probably like is is bad juju right off the mark. Those two didn't really. Well, for what off. it's worth, Wiggins did just have a quote come out like this week that was like. Anything you ever heard bad about me and Tibbs, like, is not for real. Like, and that's noise from someone else, meaning okay. basically Cat. He basically passed the puck to Cat. <laughs> well, that's all right. Well, that's something. All right. Maybe that changes my opinion a little. Anyways, the, the, the point that I was going to make was I think the Knicks could use a guy like Andrew Wiggins. And I mean, Tibbs, like I, you would normally say Tibbs would get the most out of him defensively, but he really didn't when he was in Minnesota, and, and it'll be interesting to see if Golden State, I mean, I think the difference in Golden State is they actually had the personnel to surround him to, like, maybe make Wiggins' job a little bit easier, though you can argue New York with Frank and Mitch would also have that personnel. 
the the issue then you're talking about is is playing Wiggins and Lamelo at the same time, which seems like a little bit of a recipe for disaster. But again, you can kind of go offense defense there. But I, I think the Knicks they still need a primary shot creator, and if they had Lamelo Ball, they would still need a primary shot creator. And even if Wiggins is like maybe like one of the lesser versions of that in the NBA. He still has those qualities, so I don't. I don't look at it as a totally sunk contract, especially when the Knicks have struggled time and time again to sign stars. And like you can make the case, like is what Wiggins um, does. I don't know if that's a grammatically correct sentence. Um, is what Wiggins is Wiggins' game contributing to winning? Um, and the answer, by and large, in his career has been no. But I think like the Knicks are almost a very specific situation where what he does well would have more value than it would on the vast majority of teams. And and, th- and then the question comes down to, I mean, do you think LaMelo Ball is a star? And, and also, I mean, are you sure that he's going to be available at two? Because right now it sounds like Minnesota could, could potentially take him at one. And I think for that reason alone, unless I had great intel that Ball was going to slip to two, I wouldn't do it because I'd honestly, uh, the more I think about it and the more I read, I'd rather bet on one of these, like uh, like the Devin Vassell or an Isaac Okoro than Anthony Edwards. Like, I just would. Um, but if I knew Anthony Edwards was going number one, I would still think about it because for as much as, like, I'm scared of LaMelo, and I think, Alex, you had the same reaction, as much as that video um, that Jonathan uh, Givoni at ESPN put out of him shooting, like, kind of freaked me out where I thought, where he was, like, jumpers looking smooth, and I was like, I, I don't agree with that. I don't think this looks good at all. Um, as much as that scared me a little bit, like, I do think his passing is sort of the one quote unquote, like obvious superstar trade in this draft. And like, there, there's more subtle stuff out there. Like the cell, you could say his help defense is, is a superstar trade in its own way. Maybe that's right. And, and maybe like after all these podcasts and all these smart guys we've had on, I'm still looking at the wrong things, but I, I just see flashes from LaMelo. And I, I think what he did in a professional league as basically like one of the two or three youngest guys in the draft is still getting undervalued a little bit. Like, I just don't think there are that many guys in the world at his age who can do what he did in Australia, even if he wasn't very efficient. And so I think there's something to be said for like, it would be great to add like an elite role player, but ultimately you still need stars and Lamelo's like the one guy in this draft with like, and, and like, I'll say this, like someone else from this draft is going to emerge and be an all-star like, because it just happens even in the bad draft. There's someone who's picked, like, I mean, in 2013, you'd Giannis go 14. Um, I, I know Macri referenced the Paul George draft where he went, like, eight or nine. Um, like, someone else is going to be a star, but LaMelo's the only one where you can see the outline for that clearly from the get-go, in my mind, outside of Edwards, who there, there's too many other red flags there to take the risk. So I, I kind of think that if I was sure LaMelo was going to be there at two, um, I, I, would probab- I would probably still go for this. But I, I understand the rationale for not going for it. Yeah, I will say one thing that I failed to consider before is that when I just went on uh, Wiggins's basketball reference page, I forgot that he was nicknamed way back in his like Sports Illustrated cover days, Maple Jordan. So that means that if the Knicks got uh, Wiggins and and then had uh, RJ still, they'd have Maple Jordan and Maple Mamba both on the same team and honestly who could beat them at that point uh plus what would we nickname iggy then would he be uh because Iggy's also canadian would he right, be right. uh yeah maple be, maple who coach i was gonna say maple carlos arroyo but yeah that's... <laughs> maple arroyo <laughs> I, 
I'm trying, <laughs> yeah. I get. I was thinking he would be like their crew coach to the, but I guess someone would have to be Scotty then. I don't know. We can uh, reassign Knox to Canada, and then he could be Maple Scotty. Um, something like that. I don't know. We'll yeah, figure it out. Maple Mark Madsen would be like the ultimate insult for for <laughs> <laughs> What would what would Mitch be then? What would it, uh, Maple. Mitch, Mitch doesn't need to be anything. Mitch is Mitch. Mitch is just Mitch, I guess. Yeah, and plus, like with Mitch, you could put Bayou in front of his name because he's from yeah. the Bayou, and that's way cooler. Right. Bayou, yeah. Bayou, Bayou Hakeem sounds pretty. I know that's generous, but <laughs> it sounds pretty dirty. Hey, if he gets a nice little, uh, you know, nice little post game going with Kenny Payne, we might be calling him Bayou Hakeem. Mitch, Mitch with a dream shake. I might, I might pass out. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, does Hakeem still do those one-on-one sessions with guys think, during the offseason? I don't know. Like, I feel like all the guys who go, like, I don't know how good of a te- teacher he is because it never seems to translate. Like, I know LeBron has a good post game, but I don't, he, he never really, like, developed, like, Hakeem-esque moves. And I think Dwight went, like, multiple times, and it just never seemed to translate. And he's like, I remember I'm, Amari went and yeah. trained with him a couple off-seasons, and it actually did kind of seem to provide some results. Yeah, I just think what it is, and I'm sure Akeem told them this, like, you have to work on this for hours and hours every day. The one guy who it did work for, who I who I think went, was Kobe. And and Kobe, because Kobe was the type of guy who would, like, Hakeem would probably give him something, and he'd be like, you got to practice this at all hours of night. I need you at three in the morning working on, like, on this three fake combination. And Kobe would be like, yep, and then actually do it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. R.I.P. Uh, I think that's a good note to end on. So uh, thanks, everyone, so much again for giving us so many great mailbag questions. Uh, We are going to be back maybe for one more episode this week. But if nothing else, uh, we have a at least one really big guest for you guys next week and maybe some more coming up. So we are going to next week could potentially be jam packed with a lot of really big guests. But this has been the four part mailbag. And uh, thank you guys so much again for asking all the questions. Hope you enjoyed the answers. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Peace out.